I'm not gonna debate you, Jerry. I'm not gonna sit here and debate. All right, Houston fans, your Texans, how are you feeling about them? Four weeks into the season, we are 0-3-1 after today's deflating loss to the Los Angeles Chargers, 34-24. If you missed the game, we... Let's, let's imagine it's a back alley brawl, okay? The Chargers walked up to us, they punched us in the throat, we staggered for breath, they threw us into a pile of garbage cans. They turned around thinking the fight was over. We stumble out of the garbage cans for some reason, gripping at our throats. We're like, hey, I thought this was a fight. Then we force them to turn around, come back to the fight, break our nose over their knee, throw us back into that pile of garbage. That's what you missed if you missed today's game. So it occurred to me watching that game, it reminded me a lot of the David Carr era Texans where we start with what what we would hope would be a three and out, but it turns into a pick. The Chargers scored immediately. Uh, We're in a hole. We're off script a little bit. Uh, Soon it's 21 to zero, and you're left thinking, is this how I want to spend my Sunday afternoons? Do I really want to do this? Do I feel good about how I've spent this Sunday afternoon? Now, to their credit, Damian Pierce, 75-yard touchdown run was incredible, electric. I do not want to sell him short. We're going to talk about him a little more later in the show. But we went into halftime, and I felt at that point like we were in trouble as a team, and more specifically me here in a podcast scenario, because who is listening to a podcast about a team that gets thrown into garbage cans week after week. And so, as often happens at halftime, the team with the commanding lead comes out flat in the second half because they feel like the game's over, they can do whatever they want on both sides of the ball. And the Texans, to their credit, they continued to fight. Not every Texans team has had that sort of uh, characteristic. And so, that is a testament to Lovey Smith, it's a testament to the coaching staff, it's a testament to the players on the team that they continue to fight, they continued to try, um, they hadn't given up at that point in the game, and they played well enough. Davis Mills did put one drive together that ended in a Rex Burkhead flare touchdown, and then he put another drive together that had a 58-yard pass strike down the field to Nico Collins, and then an absolute laser beam to Brandon Cooks for the touchdown. Those were two excellent throws from Davis Mills, and... They shouldn't be overlooked. They shouldn't be ignored. They did happen. Um, It just so happened they happened in a game that the Chargers were way, way ahead in, and the Chargers didn't care as much (laughs) at that point in the game. So it was a little bit easier. And critics of Davis Mills would say that a lot of the stats he accumulated in his rookie season were accumulated in situations like that. Games that didn't matter. Game situations that didn't matter as much. And so... Davis Mills was able to capitalize on the Chargers taking their foot off the gas a little bit, and we did make a game of it. We did make the Chargers have to re-engage, bring up their intensity level enough to put us away. Um, 
But to be in a position where you have to be put away when the Chargers came into town without Bosa, their leading pass rusher, without J.C. Jackson, their prized defensive back offseason acquisition, without their starting left tackle who hit the IR this week, with Justin Herbert just weeks removed from rib cartilage damage, you were playing a Chargers team that even at full health did not look like a world beater. And they came in half-staffed, so to speak. And then they whipped the crap out of you in the first half of that game. Half-staffed. So, I couldn't help but re go back and re-examine those first few games that we watched. We took a lead against Indianapolis in week one. We found a way to not win that game. We lost a slap fight in Denver to a Broncos team that, God bless them, they did not want to win that game. But we found a way to let them win that game, just out of courtesy, I guess. Um, last week, we let the Bears and Justin Fields beat us, somehow. And then today, we wanted to start the game with our customary three and out. Well, we like to do that. We like to start every game with at least one three and out, just as sort of a welcome to Houston to the other team. We want to be very courteous and very uh, welcoming and very hospitable. We don't want to be rude. We don't want to get the reputation around the league as a rude team. We want them to know they're welcome here. They're going to have a good time here in Houston. So we always start the game with at least one three and out. And we were trying to do that today. But Davis Mills said, I'm going to do one better. And when Mac got in his face, he threw a terrible pass that was picked off at the beginning of the game. We received the opening kickoff, and we were down 7-0 to with over 13 minutes left to play in the first quarter. That's tough to do, to receive the ball and be down a touchdown less than two minutes later. But we pulled it off today, and uh, I talked to a buddy of mine before the season started, and he said, man, I, I just hope the Texans lose every game, but they're close games. That was his, that was his, and I see the logic in that, and I sort of agree with it on some level. You get a better draft pick that way. You're able to assess the talent a little a little better because the games are closer and the, the snaps matter more, at least in theory. And you're not, key thing, you're not messing up that draft pick where you're going to, to pick in the draft. But experiencing it live, seeing us come back, well, first of all, experiencing the emotional deflation of that initial toss into the garbage cans. Like, you're like, oh, God, it sucks. It sucks to be beaten about the head and face, like, like in being able to offer no defense. That sucks to be a fan of a team just being thrashed about. And then it sucks to have your hopes brought back only to be reminded, oh, right, 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 we're into the garbage. We, we have to be thrown into the garbage. So they find a way every week, the Texans, sort of a unique way thus far through four weeks to leave me with a bad taste in my mouth. Not the same taste, right? Every week it's been a little bit different taste and you're trying to put your, put your mind on it. Like what, what, put your finger on what, what is that taste? It's horrible. It's horrible every week, but this week was a little bit different. Now, uh, if the, uh, my understanding is if, we, if the season ended today, our Texans would pick number two overall. The Carolina Panthers would have the number one pick. 
and we would pick wherever Cleveland picks in the early 20s. Um, so we would have, we of course, we still have Cleveland's pick as a result of the Deshaun Watson trade. They lost today, which is great for us. So we would have the second pick. The Jets, I'm sorry, not the Jets, the Panthers have the first overall pick. They would take a quarterback. If, assuming our projections end up at the end of the year with Bryce Young as the top the top prospect, I would uh, I would imagine the Carolina Panthers are taking Bryce Young number one overall. And then that would leave the Texans with, you know, the second prospect. Um, and then they would have a decision to make. Do we want the second best quarterback prospect or do we want the first best non-quarterback prospect? And that's a lot of, you know, uh, hypotheticals because we'll see how the season plays out. One thing that the old guard Texans did, like David Carr's Texans, Tony Banks' Texans, uh, Sage Rosenfeld's Texans, Brock Osweiler's, Ryan Mallett's Texans, they would play out a game a lot like today's game. They fall fall behind early, make a little show of it in the second, third quarter, ultimately losing. But one of the trademarks of those Texans teams, which was always fun, was that you would start the season 3-8, and eight, and so firmly, firmly, firmly out of the playoff hunt. So they would they would smash those playoff hopes out of you as a fan. We're not making it to the playoffs. But then they would win four of their last five games to finish the season seven and nine. Um, and then you know you move from the third overall pick in the draft over those over that span of games to the eleventh or twelfth or fifteenth overall pick. So not only do you experience the deflation of being a bad team for virtually the entire season, then you get to experience the horror of losing those early round, first round picks, and then picking in the in the teens, where it's more of a crapshoot, or at least it was with the Texans. Are we going to get a good player in the teens? We hope so. Um, and so it was just a deflating experience watching them today. And you have to start shifting your focus from Wins and losses. I'm not watching the game to see them win. I'm watching the game to see the development of Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley and Damian Pierce. And if Christian Harris ever gets on the on the field, players like that. Um, but I don't know that that's uh, satisfying for a lot of fans, right? I think a lot of fans could come up with other things to do rather than watch a team that played like the team that showed up in the first half today. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more. I'm gonna, uh, I've got a few more angles I want to take in today's show. By the way, you're listening to the Red Clear Podcast. My name is Daniel Fritch. I am the host of this, of this podcast. It is a Texans and Rockets podcast. And while I record this, the Rockets are playing their first preseason game, and they look outstanding. They look really good and really exciting. So I am looking forward to more Rockets talk down the road. But I, and I appreciate you joining me here to talk Texans, to try to assess where the hell we are as a team. What are we What are we doing here? And so I did the Captain's Log segment again, the same as I did last week. So if you enjoyed that, list, that last week, we do have that for you this week. Um, I, I got to say, this week's Captain's Log, it'll be at the end of the episode if you, if you stay tuned. If you want to hear me, what that means is I was recording, I had my microphone with me during the game, recording my thoughts as the game was happening in real time. Although today's game was a little bit 
deflating. So I'm going to give you a fair warning. You don't have to listen to the captain's log this week. It's it's sort of a, much like the Texans, very low energy affair. But before we get there, we're going to hit the rookie watch. We're going to hit some other thoughts I had, some stray thoughts I had. I'm also percolating on the Jack Easterby situation with the Texans. Uh, I haven't talked a lot about Jack Easterby on this show so far on this podcast, but I made a joke on Twitter this week about Jack Easterby. And it's pretty innocuous joke, harmless, harmless joke. And what I was surprised by is that people came back at me, not just one person, several people, where they were defending Jack Easterby and they were coming back at me for making a joke about Jack and his role here at the team. And so I was taken aback and I had to think, I was like, am I wrong about Jack Easterby? Let me, let me go check the record. And I went back and I I re-examined everything that has happened since Jack Easterby arrived here, everything I know about him, everything I know about human beings. And so I may do another episode later this week where I'm just going to lay out my thoughts on the Texans organization and Jack Easterby as a whole. Uh, So look forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. But today we're talking the Chargers game, the fourth week of the Texan season, where are we, and what better time to bust out the rookie watch. Five long years he wore this watch. Up his ass. Alright, so rookie watch this week is going to be, to me, the silver lining of this entire campaign has been our rookies. Nick Casario in his first year as GM with a full slate of draft picks seems to have done very well. We could be sitting here talking about an 0-4 or an 0-3-1 Texans team where Derek Stingley is struggling and Jalen Petrie doesn't look good and Damian Pierce isn't holding onto the ball and Kenyon Green can't get on the field, but we're not doing that. We're talking about a team with rookies playing all over the field, guys like Davis Mills, second-year players, who are looking okay at times and really good at other times. And so like today was Damian Pierce's the best game of his career. He had all 14 of our team's carries, which is another big thing. If you recall in week one, they couldn't stop giving the ball to Burkhead. They corrected that problem. And Damian Pierce took those 14 carries for 131 yards and a touchdown. He also had six receptions on six targets only eight yards, but he's proving that as a relief valve, he can be reliable. He will catch the ball. He has hands. You can use him in that way. Perhaps when our offense opens up a little bit, maybe with a different scheme, maybe with a different offensive coordinator next year, um, maybe Rex Burkett is no longer a Texan. Um, but Damian Pierce looks great, and I think he's versatile. He's learning. It seemed to me he hit the open holes this week better than he had in previous weeks, um, seeing the field a little bit better. Maybe the game hopefully is slowing down for him a little bit. Uh, Petrie gave up that first uh, touchdown, but overall I felt he played well. He still seems to be around the ball all the time, and I'm not sure if that's something that he's just he's just really great defensively um, or if that's the linebackers are just really bad and they're, they're forcing Petrie into all these plays. But he seems to be all over the place. Stingley had an arm injury at the end of the game, and then they put him back in there uh, with a brace on his arm, which I was a little bit 
concerned by. And then he made a tackle late in the game with the brace where he fell on his arm and looked to be in significant pain. I was like, oh, God, no, not a real legitimate injury. Like, I was very much concerned. Then he leaves the leaves the field again, and then he's back out there again at the end. So I was a little bit questioning that decision-making because this game is not that important to risk uh, your number three overall pick. For God's sake, protect protect your players. Um, Kenyon Green, he looked overmatched at times in this game, but he also looked really good um, at times in this game as well. So mixed bag, uh, overall pretty undisciplined effort by the offensive line. Um, by the offense as a whole, uh, a couple of big drops. One of the things I wanted to mention is when you have a quarterback like Davis Mills and your offense is whatever is more vanilla than vanilla, you cannot afford to have drops. You cannot afford, like you don't have a margin for error. You cannot have random illegal shift penalties, holding penalties, um, all these just sort of undisciplined errors, mental errors mostly, uh, that set you back because then you're asking Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton's offense to pick up, you know, third and 15, third and 31 that we had laughably today, uh, fourth and 15 at the end of the game that we had to convert or attempt to convert. And, and we just can't do that. We're not equipped to do that. We have to stay ahead uh, of the chains in that, in that, in those scenarios. And we just weren't able to do that today. But anyway, that's going to do it for Rookie Watch this week. Five long years he wore this watch. Up his ass. So before I throw it to our Captain's Log segment, I did want to talk just briefly about scheduling here for the podcast. I will be out of pocket next weekend on a a much-needed vacation. Uh, not needed uh, from the podcast, not from you guys. Please don't take that personally. I would I would love to be here with you, but I will be out of state. I won't even be in the great state of Texas at this time next week. So we will see what the schedule for the podcast looks like uh, moving forward. Stay tuned, um, but know that I will be back, and we I do anticipate covering not just the Texans as the season goes on, but of course the Rocket season, which is just just now getting underway tonight, actually. Um, beyond that, uh, I'm trying to think if I had any notes from today's game that were worthy of mentioning. Uh, Davis Mills, the more I watch him, it's so hard. And you see these debates playing out in on Reddit, on Twitter, on sports radio, among Texans fans, the Texans community. How much of our struggles are Davis Mills' fault? How much of it is Pep Hamilton's scheme? How much of it is an overall lack of talent at the skill positions, at tight end, at receiver? Um, How much of it is Davis Mills himself? Uh, How much better should he be? How much of a leash should we give him? I am looking for a guest to join me uh, that has played football at a high level, that has played quarterback at a high level. So I've reached out to a couple of guys. I want to get someone... I want to get someone who knows football to talk Davis Mills. Like, I've never played quarterback. I don't know what the deal is with him. I know it's frustrating to watch, um, and I get angry, you know, like with Davis's decision-making at times, with some of the throws he makes. And as a fan, I'm like, God, we have to do better. And then I hear the arguments on online, 
where it's like, well, he doesn't have any weapons, this and that, this and that. And I'm, I'm not ready to shut the door myself on Davis Mills, although I think his destiny most likely is NFL backup quarterback at this point, based on everything I've seen from him to date. And I would love to be wrong. I would love for him to mature and grow into that starting quarterback that we've that we've needed for so long, not counting the, the brief window of time we had Deshaun Watson. Um, but I'll be keeping an eye on that, and I'll be trying to cover that more as, uh, as we get more into the season. Anyway, I hope this podcast finds you well. Like I said, I'll talk to you soon. I'm not sure exactly when soon is. As always, you can find me at Red Glare Pod on Twitter. You can find me on Substack. You can now find our website via redglarepod.com. And reach out if you have any questions, if you have any feedback. Um, if there's something I'm not covering on the show that you would like to hear me talk about, go ahead and let me know. And I appreciate you listening. I hope you're doing well. Enjoy the captain's log of Chargers Texans. And we're off. Game four. Chargers Texans. Davis Mills on the first drive. Under pressure. Hit as he throws. Interception. I was uh, fully prepared for a three and out. We did not get a three and out. We got something worse than that. Charger ball in Texans territory very early in the game. All right, after two very minor gains on first and second down, the Chargers have third and eight on the Texan 24. Oh, we go off sides. It's a free play. They blow it dead. So it'll be third and three. And on third and three, it's a touchdown. Texans trail six to zero. Oh, God. Herbert works through his progressions, finds Everett the tight end, running a seam past Jalen Petrie. Petrie made an effort to recover after he was beaten off the line. Couldn't quite do it. Not a great start. Not a great start, guys. All right. Davis Mills, third and 18 after Kenyon Green hold negates a long completion to Brandon Cooks. Mills can't find anyone open. The pocket collapses. Mills is taken down. We're going to punt on 4th and 31. Good Lord. Good times. Charger ball. All right. Herbert decides to give us the ball, and we decide we don't want it. A dropped interception on first down on the Chargers' ensuing possession. And after an Eckler loss of two on second down, it does set up a third and 12. And Herbert's back to pass. He's looking. He delivers short of the first down. It's going to force a punt. Good stand. Good response by the Texans defense. Down 7-0. And we will see what the offense can cook up here. (sighs) A third and 10 shovel pass to Rex Burkhead. Sets up a wild miss on a 46-yard attempt by Kai Fairbairn. And I was thinking fourth and four there. You might might roll the dice. Terrible, to my mind. Third down call. And then you kick it, and you get nothing. Nothing out of that drive at all. A drive that saw the Chargers show some uh, lack of discipline, giving us 30 free yards. We do not take advantage. It is 7-0, Charger ball, when we come back. All right, the Chargers run it, run it, run it, run it. Run it again. Eckler touchdown. It is now 14-0 early in the second quarter. And 
this offense has got to help the defense out. I mean, the defense is not playing poorly necessarily. We couldn't stop the run on that drive, but man, a lot of uh, undisciplined play on the offensive side thus far. We'll see if they could turn it around. They better hurry. 14 points is asking a lot from this offense. Uh, hair under 13 minutes to go in the second quarter. And it's another three and out as Davis sails a ball over Nico Collins' head on third and five. And it will be Charger ball with a 14-0 lead, and we are entering a dangerous territory in the game where I think we might be digging a hole that Davis Mills is not capable of digging out of. Do you dig out of a hole? You don't really dig out of a hole. Climb out. Davis, he can't do it. However, he, he, he's, he's stuck. He's stuck in that hole. Echoes of the old Kubiak offense from the Chargers as you run to set up play action, and the defense just looks absolutely lost out there as Mike Williams goes, comes over the middle, goes for a big gain, and then Eckler trots it in for the touchdown. It is 21-0 midway through the second quarter, and this is a pretty embarrassing performance at home for the Texans thus far. Really, really pretty rough. Damian Pierce answers back one play, 75 yards, the biggest play of Damian's young career, brings the score to 21-7. to What an electric play, running off right tackle, following his blockers, great block from the fullback, and then he turns on the Jets and has just enough juice to get to the end zone, 75 yards. Best run of his young career, awesome play. And on fourth down, when we settle for the field goal, we shank it. When we don't settle for the field goal, we have our play-action passing play blown up in the backfield as Mills look taken down, looks silly, looks bad. Offense without that Damian Pierce run, God knows what the score is right now. The Chargers got a field goal before halftime. It's 27-7, but this uh, Texans performance is reminiscent of a lot of Texans performances I remember uh, from early in their existence, where it's just you're you're outclassed, and it uh, you don't have much of a shot, much of a chance to compete. So we'll see how much of a fight they put up in the second half, but pretty deflating effort overall. All right, running the Damian Pierce offense towards the end of the third quarter, we do find Burkhead on a little flare for the touchdown to cut it to 27-14. Offense looking pretty stagnant overall, but. They are within shouting distance. They, this game is not over, as, as poor as we've played thus far. We'll see if the defense can come up big and get them the ball back. Oddly big play on third and 12 here in the fourth quarter. Herbert in the gun, five wide. Not much pressure. He misses a guy in the flat. They're going to have to punt. Good stand by the Texans defense. 13 minutes to go. Chargers 27, Texans 14. This game is not over. As poorly as the Texans have played, this game is still winnable. So we'll see what they do with the punt. 13 minutes to go in the fourth. Back-to-back -back big plays from Davis Mills, of all things. A great screen pass call on third down to Burkhead and then catching Collins over the top, beating double coverage. Mills sees him. Great throw in stride. And we are... In business, inside the Charger 30 here early on in the fourth quarter. First down from the 18-yard line. Mills back to pass. Surveys. Sees a guy in the end zone. has got him. Touchdown, Brandon Cooks. 
It's 27-20, ladies and gentlemen. We got a game. Against all odds, this Texans team has jolted back to life. Fumble on the kickoff. Texans ball on the 15. We'll see what they can do. Oof, on second down, Davis Mills was lit up from behind. Never saw the rusher coming. Coughed it up. Ball was loose for a long time, and it looks like the Texans have recovered. Titus Howard is slow to get up. It'll be third and long in Charger territory, 8.58 remaining. On third and long, Derwin James was all over O.J. Howard, but they didn't get the defensive pass interference call. I feel like maybe don't throw it at Derwin James in that situation, but we're going to kick the field goal here. Fairbairn has a chance to redeem himself from 40. We'll see if he does, and it looks good. 27-24 is the score now. Chargers lead. Eight and a half minutes to go. We'll be kicking back to San Diego, who now play in Los Angeles. Third and one for the Chargers. Clock is ticking. Seven and a half minutes to go. They're deep in their own territory at the 24. Empty backfield for Herbert. He takes the snap. Looks over the middle. He's got Williams. Ah, first down, Chargers. Third and nine, six minutes to go. Chargers working their way up towards midfield. This is a huge play. Herbert in the gun. Back to pass, has plenty of time. Throws it short of the sticks. Can we make a tackle? Oh, he's short. It looks like he's short of the first down, depending on where they mark it, on their 46. Now, the Chargers last year went for it on fourth down in this situation all season long and have been hesitant to do so this year. We'll see what Staley breaks out here on fourth and less than a yard. It looks like he's leaving his offense out there. Now, perhaps the biggest play of the season for this young Texans defense. 27-24, fourth and one. Oh, oh, false start. False start by the Chargers. Oh, timeout. Timeout call before the false start. Fourth and one. Timeout. Texans. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It looks like Stingley's coming back on the field. He had been banged up. His arm is wrapped in a brace now, but he'll be back on the field. And it's fourth and one. Huge, 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 huge play coming up. Herbert under center. Receiver in motion. Fake handoff. Oh, wide open on the play action. Oh, my gosh. Too easy. Too easy. A gain of 20 on the play action. Ugh. That puts him firmly in field goal range. Clock is running. Five minutes to go. Not a good play for our Texans on that one. And a very similar look, same play essentially. Play action to Eckler to the right, touchdown, probably ends this game. Let's get Stingley off the field. Don't get that guy hurt, for God's sake. And the Texans innovating, new ways to kick us in the nuts. Losing this one, 34-24, in a game that it seemed like we didn't show up to play. Lost before it even started. And then inexplicably in the second half, played defense, held the Chargers to 27 points forever, and then couldn't come up with a stop when we needed it most. 
34-24 will likely be our final. Signing off with the captain's walk. Okay, this is not Tom. This is bowling. There are rules. Bowling. There are rules. Bowling. There are rules. Okay, this is not Tom. This is bowling. There are rules.